Until he takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. I'm Michael Boxall, and you're listening to The Sound of the Loons. Afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. I'm Steve McPherson. And I'm joined by the man, the myth, the Kiwi, Michael Boxall. Uh, you're with the team in Orlando for preseason. Uh, my first question is, what are your indispensable travel items? Like when you're going down, you're going to be someplace for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. What do you really need to have with you? Uh, I think... Got to keep in touch with my family. Got to have my phone. Every morning, my daughter grabs my wife's phone and FaceTimes me. So that's a that's a great little alarm clock to have. Um, it's nice for me. Probably not so nice for my wife when she gets disturbed early. Uh, what else? Probably my computer for like Netflix and the like. And third thing, I bring down a. I've got like Blender, and then I've got my wife's like collagen and protein, which so I just use that for smoothies every day. Instead of going and grabbing a few bars of chocolate, it helps keep the weight off and keep me full in between meals. So, yeah. Yeah, you've got you've got the hookup with with Libby with her 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 company and and you've got all the nutritional supplements you could need. I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. She's yeah, obviously very qualified in what she does, and yeah, very tasty treats, and yeah, helps helps the body stay fit during. During these these sessions that we're we're having down here, <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's probably better that you're on the east coast then, if your daughter's going to call you then on the west coast, because my my oldest daughter tried to call her uh, grandparents who were on the west coast and at seven thirty in the morning, so it was five thirty <laughs> there, which is not great. the time difference. Not so it's not so pers- you know like kids don't get it. So, yeah. but no, yeah, but yes, no excuse for me to not to pick up every morning. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, let's start with uh, with some soccer stuff. Uh, you know, it's it's preseason. Uh, Loons off to a hot start in preseason so far. I believe you've uh, you guys have scored fourteen goals to your opponents two goals over the first two games. It's preseason, obviously. Um, my my first question though is, where were you on those two goals? Like, what happened? One was a uh, he had a shot on a cleared set piece, so just scrambled to the edge of the box. Some yeah, not quite close enough there. And then second one was like. 85th minute, it's it's pretty hot. So we're still in still a little bit in preseason form. So it was just a transition, and uh, they found Brendan Wright Phillips edge of the box, and he, I mean, he's he scored a few goals in his time. So we give him a little bit of space. He 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 picked out the bottom corner, but no, overall the the teams teams looking good, and I think, I mean, the level of competition we've had in the first two games hasn't been the highest, but I think our attitude and approach to those has been top draw and kind of reflective of, of the score lines. We've not kind of dropped down a level to, to the opposition and, and really gotten after them because it's, yeah, preseason. You don't just want to walk in the park. You've really got to push yourself and 
yeah, we've, we've really done that and, and the body's been good. Nice. So with a player like, yeah, as you said, Brandon Wright Phillips obviously scored some goals in his time. Um, it just made me think of it now. Like it, for those players, you know, BWP's won, Carlos Vela, I can imagine there's a couple, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of them in the league where when they have that space, you know you're in trouble. What is, like when you turn and you see like they have the ball and they've got enough time, like what do you, what do you immediately think? Like are, do you, are you like, oh no, or do you just think immediately what you have to do to try to counteract that? Yeah, I don't think there's too much thinking. It's just so much more sure. instinct that's, especially for me, my my job is pretty much around our 18 box. So anytime the ball's like near there, you, you're always switched on and making sure that every single person's picked up. Obviously, things of the game happen, like transitions, you can get outnumbered and end up in, yeah, less than ideal situations. So it's just trying to... Because at some point in time, the, the opposition are going to have a shot, probably. So just making sure it's the the worst shot for them and gives your keeper the best chance to to save it. Sure, sure. Um, so you guys played against uh, Columbus. Uh, you know, I, I believe that Kevin Molino wasn't wasn't in in the game, but I saw a photo that uh, Ozzy had taken on Instagram with I think Kevin and Marlon, uh, who are both with the crew. Did you get to talk to those guys or you know like uh, connect with them again? Yeah, for sure. No. They, they came over and said, oh, we, we caught up with them for well, know, five, ten minutes after the game. Yeah, obviously, he's someone who's been who's played a huge part in building Minnesota United into what they are now. Obviously, yeah, had a great end of, uh, end of the season last year with us, and unfortunately not with us, but it's great to see him. He, he's looking good, looking healthy, and he seems to be happy there. So, yeah, happy for him, and yeah, hopefully we see him in the playoffs next year. MLS Cup game, so that that would be nice to to see him again on the field. Right, I was going to ask if you put any 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 wagers on seeing them again, uh, you know, in in the final or anything this year. <laughs> no wagers, no, no, no. Uh, <laughs> it's it's too a bit too early to start thinking about um, November, December. Yeah, it's uh, a little bit a little bit of football to be played between now and then. But. <laughs> yeah, I want to ask you to, to project too far out from there. Um, so you guys have been back at the uh, the Wide World of Sports Complex, which was where um, the the MLS's back tournament took place last year. Was that you know was that sort of an odd experience to to come back to that place? Did it did it bring back sort of memories of being in the bubble and stuff? Surprisingly, no PTSD. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, obviously, yeah, we were there for a very long time. It was, I mean, it wasn't the easiest thing in the world, but then at the end of the day, we were playing football every day uh, after, after a big break. So that was a nice part. But, yeah, the whole bubble experience wasn't one that I would like to endure again. But, <laughs> but at the end of the day, we, I think our team really grew through that experience. And, yeah, I don't look at, back at it too negatively. I think my wife probably does a bit more than I <laughs> um, being pregnant and not having me to help out around, around the house for, for a month or two. Uh, can't be too easy. But... No, I think the facilities there are, are, are good and obviously just to get a good head out on a good surface, you, you can't complain about that at, at this time of year. Yeah, that, that um, the sort of group that was down there, obviously you guys are returning a lot of starters this year um, back from last year. But um, I was sort of interested in this because it always seems like there are those moments in the season, especially like it's going to be another sort of compressed season. There's there's international breaks and, and there's always stuff that happens with teams. There are those times when like depth players really get that chance to sort of step up and, and do something. I was thinking specifically this morning of um, Aaron Schoenfeld coming in 
in that last game against FC Cincinnati and getting the rebound off your header uh, to win the game in sort of the 92nd minute and getting into the top half of the playoff draw is a very exciting moment. You know, we've got a bunch of new players, again, who are, you know, expected to be uh, depth and, and push the starters and things like that. How, um, you know, how are some of those new players coming along, like off the bench, like, you know, and, and, and sort of how are they getting into the team and, and how's the vibe with those new guys? Uh, they both fit in really well. I think most importantly for us, off the field, they're all, everyone's hardworking, everyone's really wants to put in the work and a pleasure to be around off the field. And then on the field, the the staff have really done their homework again and brought in some some quality players, a handful of guys away with international duty. And so they've really, really jumped at the opportunity and know, really put their hands up to let the coach know that they can be counted on whenever they needed this year. Yeah, that um, that sort of quality of, of player, which, which you're talking about, which is um, hardworking, but also, you know, really open, good guys, connect easily with other people. Seems like a kind of, I mean, I don't know how conscious decisions like that are amongst, you know, scouting and sort of management and figuring out how you get guys and the coaching staff and stuff like that, or if it's just sort of a natural organic thing that comes, but, you know, from adding guys like Will Trapp, um, you know, DJ Taylor's another guy. We published a, a sort of 10 things interview with him. And he talked about, you know, he connects with people and that's one of the easiest, that's one of his best qualities. He feels like that, that sort of, you know, duality is something I sort of picked up a little bit on with, with Jan also, where he's, he's very competitive. He's very driven. You know, if you've seen the guy play soccer tennis, you know, he doesn't want to lose. Um, <laughs> he's very driven, but like the instant he's sort of off the field, he's fun and he's, he's, he's got a, a good spirit and he's easy to talk to. Do you feel like that's sort of, is that the vibe that has just sort of grown organically uh, with the team? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm not too sure. Can't really speak for the coaches if they have tried to angle towards that or weeded out players who were in, who were in the squad that didn't quite fit the mold. But yeah, I think that's the first step in creating a good, good environment is being surrounded by like-minded players that, you really want to push for and you're still going to push push them at training as well with that competitive side so i think it, it all all the recipe for for good things and i think that kind of showed yeah in the bubble last year and then down the stretch of the season and playoffs and then obviously we'll return the majority of those guys that helped get us there and obviously we've added we're going to be adding quality at some point and uh to make another push again this year yeah, it seems like the team, you know, having having followed, you know, been with the team since coming into MLS, um, uh, myself and also <laughs> yourself, essentially, um, in that in that in that first season, you know, there's sort of this shift, I think, from uh, this is what we want to build, and then who do we add to to make it that, and then now there seems to sort of been a shift towards, well, this is what we have, this is what we add in order to make it better or to grow it from there. It's a thing that came up. I think we talked about this. Um, in Seattle a couple years ago as, as, as toward the end of the season, um, you know, that the results in preseason, you know, whatever, scoring 14 goals or, or whatever goals you can see don't really matter, but that there's, it's this chance to sort of set a tone um, at the beginning of the season and sort of what the expectations are and how the club does business and sort of reestablish all that stuff. From your perspective, like, what does it take to set that tone? You know, who, who sort of is responsible for doing that and, and how is it happening this year? I think it's it's kind of from day one of training that you, you've you got the senior players, I think, who showed up. I think the few players who showed up a bit earlier, well, a large number of players who showed up earlier than they were really required to. But I had yeah, family stuff in New Zealand that had to keep me out of the, 
the sub-zero temperatures in Minnesota. Really. <laughs> sure. So stay down there, you know, it's some out of my control completely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you've had players, and I think everyone really came in in, in really good shape. And uh, I think the, so I think the senior players led by Jan, led by uh, led by players like Ethan as well. I think Will Trap was there too. I think nice vocal players and guys who've been leaders of this team for a little while now and are very competitive. I think it just automatically rubs off on, on the players right then and there. And I think that's what kind of sets the tone. And then, yeah, everyone kind of follows off that. And that's kind of like been the benchmark ever since I stepped into training and we've kind of, kind of carried it on uh, through preseason. Nice. Um, all right. There's a couple of things I wanted to bring up. So over the last season, um, you know, it, during the season last year, I, we barely got to talk to anybody because everybody was sort of sequestered and quarantined. There was something early, which I just thought of actually just before getting onto this podcast uh, with you. Uh, last season, after the, the home opener against SKC, um, where I believe you had an own goal, um, you referred to that as putting uh, the team in sugar, honey, iced tea. Um, which was like the one of the daddest things I've 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 heard someone say, and I love it as as uh, someone who has children at home and tries to figure out how to avoid mm-hmm. using profanity. Do you use that phrase at home? Are there other ones? What kind of tips do you have for for dads out there who may not be able to you know use profanity at home? I mean, you ask my teammates on the field. It's probably the majority of the things that come out of my mouth are like is profanity um, at home. It's, I don't my wife. We don't because we don't. I don't think we get. I think we're more amused at what comes out of our daughter's mouth or what her behavior is. So it's like it's less trying to keep in profanity. It's more trying to stop yourself from letting our daughter see that we're like laughing. <laughs> Otherwise, she's just going to keep doing what she's doing. Um, so it's more that at home. So yeah, I don't know what because I only heard of it from like a, a fabulous song. He's a rapper. Um, okay. So that's how it ever entered my vocabulary, I guess. Um, that gives a little more street cred, I think, that if it came from a fabulous song. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm well past uh, trying to get street cred, but I'll, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, kids are a trip for that stuff. I think I still have video of, of my oldest when she was probably, you know, four or something like that, where she got a cut on her middle finger. And I was like, you know, <laughs> show, show daddy your cut. And she's just like flipping me off. And I thought it was hilarious. And my wife and I both thought it's hilarious, but we're trying to like n- not make it a thing because then she'll just try to do that and, and get attention for it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. And obviously kids are just like sponges. They soak up everything. So yeah, I think my wife and I can't be doing the worst job because yeah, I don't think we've heard any sugar, honey, iced teas or F-bombs come out of her mouth yet. So yeah, she's still young, though, so we'll see. Yeah, you you got time. My my oldest, who's now nine, noticed that on my Spotify. I have a playlist that has that has the F word in it, um, uh-huh. sort of as a joke. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's like the playlist called '90s. Yeah, you know, like it's the '90s, right? And she was like, "You you have a you have a swear word on your." It's <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm I'm human. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you uh, you were in New Zealand, as you said, sort of over what I guess is the summer in New Zealand, right? As the the winter here. Um, so you had a little taste of sort of you know that the post COVID life a bit because New Zealand things have been pretty well under control there. Um, 
once once you got down there, was was there anything that you realized you had you had really missed that you hadn't even thought about that just getting back there, you were like, oh, I have I can do this. Um, or, you know, like what's what did you get to do down there that you're looking forward to getting back to doing here? I don't know. It's really none of the big things. I think it was more being able to leave the house without a mask in your car or being able to walk through a doorway with someone going the other way at the same time. Whereas everywhere here, you're kind of like, oh, waiting for the other person to go first. Don't want to get too close to them kind of thing. Uh, so I think it's just, yeah, weird behaviors like those. And then I guess coming back here, it's you need to switch on to that and just be more cool, be more aware of, of others and yeah, not just walk around knowing that there's literally no COVID anywhere in the New Zealand public, which was... Yeah, a nice luxury to have for, for a couple months for the time that we were back. Yeah, it's I, I, I'm not sure how quickly everybody's going to acclimate. You know, it's like you still want to be safe. You know, obviously people are starting to get vaccinated, which is important. Um, yeah. And that's getting us to the point where we can, you know, sort of start changing some of this behavior back. Some of it's probably going to still kind of stay. I just still feel kind of like hesitant to go to somebody's house, even if, you know, like, or just even thinking about doing that at some point. Um, I just wonder if it's going to have some sort of long-term antisocial effects possibly. I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will. But it's like, I don't, even pre-COVID, I was, yeah, kind of a, a little bit of a germaphobe, I guess. And yeah, with the amount of times we're in airports and you see people not washing their hands when they leave the bathroom or going into hotels and just seeing, I don't know, just the way like, I don't know, bathroom doors are designed for when you're leaving the bathroom, it's like, you're always having to pull the handle towards you. I'm like, I prefer to do, yeah, push it with the algorithm. I was doing that before COVID as well. So it's just kind of, so I'm sure people who weren't doing that will adopt that into the behavior and yeah, just be, be a lot more mindful about what they're doing, where they're putting germs and all that kind of thing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we could all probably stand to be a little more, you know, conscientious about cleaning surfaces, period, even if, you know, that's not like one of the main things to stop COVID, is this more airborne, but like, you know, things like that and washing hands. And I've always been a firm proponent of, of, of washing hands. And now with children, especially seeing what children get into, you're like, yes, wash your hands all the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Um, they complain about it, but it's necessary. <laughs> Um, so getting into, I, I wanted to, I wanted to, uh, touch on the fact that, so, you, you know, you had, you are, congratulations, you have a, a new, a new child, um, uh, a bow, which is very exciting. Um, obviously, you know, I'm, I am a parent, I've done the math, you know, he, if he was born in the fall, you were already well on your way when the pandemic sort of, sort of hit. Um, when, when that happened, did you have that feeling of like, oh man, this is, this is perfect time. <laughs> like what, you know, and you talked about Libby being home uh, while you were in, while you were in Florida and things like that. Like how tough was it to sort of acclimate to that idea of like, we're pregnant and this is going to happen probably during this thing. Well, yeah, there was obviously no, no way of pulling out, so to speak. So yeah. And then obviously when it happened, it was like, okay, it's shutting down for two weeks, turn into four weeks, six weeks, 12 weeks. And then um, yeah. Realizing that, we're going to have, yeah, I guess a pandemic baby kind of thing. And I don't know, it just it made some things difficult because I wasn't allowed to be there at some of the scans or just not being able to be present at those, those special moments that you'd like to be at. And then there's actually one, I don't know if I should be sharing it. Um, one time where we had to go to like the hospital really just to get 
uh, a quick checkup and yeah, just having to drop her at, at the door there and not yeah, you know, like hold her hand through that process is yeah, it's not what you want as a as a husband or father. Yeah, so there's some some weird things that uh, yeah, I don't hope I don't wish any other expectant parents should have to go through. But I mean, it is what it is, and yeah, we're both happy that we have the cutest little healthy baby boy. He's yeah, he's a tank already. So yeah, I don't think Max Max has much time on the clock where she's going to be able to bully him. <laughs> And so, yeah, she better be kind. Otherwise, he'll he'll switch he'll switch up on her real quick. <laughs> yeah, he's he just based on Instagram. He's he's kind of a chonker. It looks like he's got he's got some he's got some real strength in there. <laughs> how is uh, how is Max dealing with being an older sister? Is she taken to the role? Did she sort of have a sense of it? I have. So she was. She's about. Is she four now? Is that right? Yeah, she's four. Okay, so yeah, my oldest was three and a half when when our youngest was born. So sort of in that same range. Like, did she understand it? Was she excited? Like, and then how's it been since since he's come on the scene? I think the months before he was born, she because she's she loves. I think she loves the attention. She loves um, that she gets every toy that we bring home is for her. Yeah, so we thought that she was was gonna handle it not as not too great but then she's been yeah, such a loving older sister maybe a little bit too rough at times with the cuddles and the, the kisses um but no she's been great no she's she's taking it really well although it was funny like when we were asking her because during uh, most of the pregnancy we weren't sure what we were having and she obviously she wanted a little sister and then when we told her she she wasn't the happiest happiest little camper but no, she's she's been great. She's been really good. That's good. I mean, kids can get really fixated on you know what what they want this particular kind of of baby sibling. You know, like either a sister or a brother. And so yeah, that can that can be a little tough. I do feel like the older sister is like a great. That's a great role. You know, for for a boy to have to have like a strong older. You know female presence in the house in addition to the mother, you know, sort of, I think that can be, that can be a really special thing. I know some, I have some friends who have older sisters and that that's, that can be a really great relationship. Yeah, I agree. And I was, I mean, I've got an older sister too and yeah, I love that relationship. And yeah, she, hopefully Max doesn't do with Bo what my sister did in the, in the teenage years because that would be a, probably a parent's nightmare, but. Did she take you out? Did she like get you into trouble? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit involved in the alcohol parties. Yeah, hopefully my parents won't be listening to this, but. Hey, they can't, they actually, they can't ground me now. Right. You're a grown man. You don't, you know, your parents, your parents don't get any say anymore, I think, at this point. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, last thing I wanted to ask you about... Um, uh, a thing I had, I had, I've seen lots of soccer players who get were really into sneaker culture, uh, different cleats and things like that. I see you have a lot of Jordans, um, Air Jordans, and you seem like a sneaker appreciator. Is that is that a fair uh, assessment? Yes, I believe. Yeah, that is that would be correct. Yeah. Do you have? Are you like a? Do you have a closet full of sneakers, or are you just sort of like I like what I like? Not quite a closet. So, like my my wife's got her fixture of like shoes and sneakers. So, I'll sort of got like off our bedroom, we've got the walk-in closet, which I've just given to her. And we've got like a, a spare bedroom near the basement, which is like my closet and all my sneakers all over the floor. So yeah, I wouldn't say it's a sneaker closet. It's more of a, a room. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So what, uh, do you have a favorite, do you have a favorite pair? Like what, uh, what are you, what are you, what's like the go-to for casual wear? Um, 
it's I don't I don't really have a, a single favorite pair. I like to make sure I rotate through through every single pair I have. Otherwise, yeah, I can't handle people that buy shoes and just have them sitting in the box for like years on end and don't wear them. Like, what's the point of shoes? You know. So yeah, um, I really love like any most Nikes that were made in like the eighties and nineties are kind of kind of my thing. So as I've now I'm in a position where I'm able to to, to purchase a, a few pairs here and there. I kind of go back into the archives and try to track down pairs that were released, I don't know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Yeah, because back when I was, yeah, back when I was in school, was buying any kind of shoes with a swoosh on them were kind of out of the question. Uh, so now I, yeah, kind of go back to transport myself to my little teenage days and still reminisce about what I wanted and, yeah, try try track those shoes down. Yeah, I have to say the the trend of uh, shoe companies sort of reissuing shoes where they have they sort of bring back older shoes has been great. Like I, I think I got a pair of Nike Nike running shoes that were the kind that had like that they sort of go dark gray to light gray and had like fluorescent green uh, on the Air Max, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I, somebody I knew in high school had those that I thought they were the coolest. So like I, I got those and now I can wear them when I, I don't wear them that much, but you know, if I want to, if I see them in the closet, I'm like, Ooh, it feels like an, feels like an Air Max day. It's so. great shoes. And actually it's kind of crazy since I've, now that I've been in like Minnesota for like a little, little while now, I've actually had people in the Minnesota's like sneaky community, like message me like, Hey, do you want these? Or people that have like backdoor connections at Foot Locker, they'll yeah, send me pictures of shoes that they want to sell and, I mean, I can't say no, especially when they sort of off send me like pictures of shoes for like my kids. So like little kids in my little like Bowler Max and little s- s- tiny size like Air Jordans or or Dunks it's the cutest. Like they probably don't even care, but yeah, it's definitely my my ego talking there. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's just for you. There's fun stuff you can put your kids in. I you know like I have I got a Wu Tang shirt for my youngest when she was like two and a half, and just having a, a baby with a Wu Tang shirt on is is yeah. great. So you got to do the things for you as well. And that I mean, I try to, but then you know, my daughter's at an age where most days she has to pick what she wears, and it's a less Jordan. It's more like what's her favorite pair of shoes now that I got her. I could regret buying them now. It's like a pair of like sketches with like sequins all over them. Like, what about the five pairs of Nikes I got? <laughs> She's, you know, I've, I've, I've only met her a couple of times. She is, a, is an opinionated one. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably gets that from her mother's side. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Well, uh, Michael Boxall, thanks for joining us for Sound of Loons. Good luck uh, with the rest of preseason. And you guys will be back here. It's going to be, the weather's going to be beautiful by the time you got get back here. It'll be great. I can't wait. Yeah, I hope we're trying outside. But yeah, cheers for having me. Uh, yeah, catch up soon. All right. Thanks for joining us for the 137th Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow me at Steve Enturis. Uh, Boxy, what's uh, Instagram? Is that your best uh, platform? I don't know. No one has to follow me. It's fine. Okay. Don't even look, don't even look for <laughs> <laughs> Don't even look for boxy. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>